Well, we are walking through the thematic words of Advent that we also do with the Advent candle that are on banners on the wall, hope, peace, joy, and love. And uh, today we are talking about peace. Now, when I hear the word peace in our culture today, it's normally in, in two senses, and see if you agree with me on this. Normally, when people say peace, they, they're first and foremost talking about like world peace. Like really, they mean like the, the, the world is not at war, the end of wars. You might hear about peace in the Middle East. And so, so there's this sense that peace is the, a lack of war. But I also hear a lot of people talk about inner peace. Have you noticed this too? This is the other way I hear peace get talked about a lot. Inner peace, like this calm that comes within you where you're relaxed, you're not anxious, but you're sort of at peace on the inside. And so um, there, we sort of also have this sense of those two being connected, right? There's this famous song about peace that says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Like there's some sense in which those two senses of peace are related, but, but if you listen to our culture, we're not always sure exactly how those two are related. Well, like a lot of things, if you, if you look at what way we talk about a word and a concept, the way our culture uses a concept, and then you go to the Bible, what you, you'll often find is that the Bible has its own sense of what that word means and is all about. And, and this word peace is no different. It's a big theme in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's, it's got a really kind of rich and complicated idea. And so the, the, the word means something in Hebrew and to the Jewish way of thinking, but in the Greco-Roman world, it meant something very different. And then for the Christians, it was kind of interesting what they did. They kind of took the Jewish idea and then, and then contrasted it a little bit with the Roman idea and came up with this idea of Christian peace. And so that's what we're going to do today. We've got to sort of spell those out, those sort of layers of what peace means. The Hebrew word for peace is probably a word you've heard before. It's the word shalom. Have you heard this word before? Shalom? It's actually a greeting. To this day, in, uh, in the Hebrew language, people will greet each other and during the day. They'll say shalom, peace. But the word peace means a lot. The word shalom means a lot more than peace. The actual word really means something like whole or complete. Okay, shalom really means put together. So imagine, have you ever had a really fancy cake and it's really pretty and then you have to cut it and serve it and it's not so pretty? Everybody's been through this experience? Okay, the shalom means the, the cake is all together. There's nothing wrong with it. All the pieces are there. It's not cut at all. It's like a whole cake. That's really what the word shalom means. It means whole, complete. And so it can mean something like wellness, Wholeness, it can mean uh, uh, blessed, can be a word for prosperity. Shalom is when you in your life and also in your community have wholeness. Everything's where it should be. The cake is not cut and pieces aren't missing. So of course, shalom means no war. How can you have, how can you be complete if you have war with somebody else? Of course, shalom has a sense of sort of inner calm and peace. If you're not holy and put whole and put together, then um, then of course you're going to be restless. But shalom really means this word of of wholeness. The the cake is all together. It's often linked with the idea of truth, 
and righteousness. So you, you can't have peace if you're not speaking truth. You can't have peace, you can't have shalom. The pie can't be put together if some people don't get any pie. Okay, if we see some people as excluded from the pie, from the cake, then it's not real shalom either. It's the wellness of the community and the individual. So shalom is the blessing of a person, but it's also you're a part of a community. We're such an individualistic society, but Jewish thinking wasn't like that. You're part of the team. You're part of the community. And so shalom only worked when every person was a part of what was happening. Shalom was there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It was what they... uh, They had what they needed. They were complete. In fact, Adam and Eve were so complete that they could be naked and not be ashamed. They're not worried about what anybody else thinks because they've got everything they need. But part of the fall is, oh, a breaking of shalom. I'm not complete. Why am I not complete? I have separation from God. So immediately there's a breakdown in the community. There's a breakdown between Adam and Eve. And the next generation, Cain kills Abel. Brothers sell Joseph into slavery. Israel becomes slave in Egypt. They come out of slavery, but they can't win the land. The kingdom gets divided. All through the Old Testament, there's this call for shalom, for shalom, for peace, wellness. Put the cake together. But the cake doesn't ever seem to come together. How will this shalom be restored, particularly when the Romans are still ruling over them? The prophets look for a day when shalom will rule the day. Isaiah 2.4 says, He shall judge between nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So Isaiah is saying, when, when God does whatever God is going to do to really big, bring shalom, you won't need any weapons anymore. No one will have to learn war anymore. It won't even be a topic of discussion. You won't have to keep weapons. You won't have to keep a standing army. There won't even be a threat of war. That's true shalom. Not just peace. Not just like a peace that we'd work out for temporary. But the real shalom that Isaiah is looking for is a time when not only is war stopped, but war isn't even on the menu. Okay, there's not even a chance of war, so we don't even need weapons. We don't, all of our weapons, we can turn into something else. Let's make them into farming instruments because we will never need them. That's true shalom. The prophet Isaiah later in Isaiah 9 talks about this coming ruler that shall bring shalom. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called, you all know it, Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Shalom, Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So when Isaiah is looking for a Prince of Peace, that's the ruler of peace, the bringer of peace, he, he doesn't just mean No more war. Shalom is wellness. Everybody gets to be prosperous. Everything gets to be right in the world. The cake gets put back together. So this Hebrew idea of peace, wholeness, wellness, for community first and then individuals in the community. But but Greco-Roman peace was different. 
Greco-Romans thought completely different about peace. There's several words for peace. They sometimes will use the word galene, galene, and that's a peace that comes in nature. It's a calming of nature. It's normally used of water. It's used of Jesus when he calms the seas. Okay, the, the actual Greek says uh, that Jesus pacifies. He makes peaceful the seas. We often translate it as calm, but it's a word for peace. And sometimes this calm refers to the calm inside of a person, your heart, your mind. There's also a word for peace called homonoia. Homonoia, homo meaning same, noia meaning mind. So it's being of the same mind. It's, it's like the end of conflict between people. Paul likes this word. Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians a lot to say, hey, you guys are fighting, get your act together. You need to be of the same mind. You need to get on the same page with each other. But the main Greek word for peace is called irene. It's kind of a catch-all term. It kind of encapsulates those other two instances of peace. Yet Greco-Roman thinking was primarily the idea that, you know how peace happens for Greeks and Romans? You win war. That's how they thought about it. Okay, they would say, hey, we got, we got the Latin word is, is pax. Pax Romana. We got peace, which basically means we kicked your butt, now we are submitting, and so we have peace. Okay, peace comes when Rome wins it for you. In fact, Irene, that word for peace, is the goddess of peace in Greek. Okay, she is often seen in art as a beautiful young woman carrying a cornucopia in one hand and either a torch or a baby in the other. Her parents in Greek mythology, she is the daughter of Zeus, the god of war, and Themis, the goddess of religion. Okay, in Rome's religion, they had a goddess named Pax, which is that Latin word for peace. Okay, and the goddess Pax was the daughter of the god of war named Jupiter and a goddess named Justice. So, so think about this. In both Greek and Roman mythology, peace is the daughter of war. Okay, peace comes from what? War. You win a war, you make peace. That's how the Romans thought about it. We have peace in Israel. Why? Because Roman rules it. Okay? They were going to rule and make peace. So, so that was the concept that the Greeks had for peace. It came through war. Their mythology was even that war was the father of peace. Now, this word, Irene, shows up in almost all of the New Testament books. It's a major theme in Paul. Many of his letters have the blessing of grace and peace to you. He has 11 commands where he talks about seeking or pursuing peace. But when Paul talks about peace, I think he's actually, the whole New Testament, but in particular Paul, he's actually contrasting Roman peace. Okay, And he has something in mind a little more like the... Jewish word, the Hebrew word, shalom. Peace in Paul doesn't come from winning wars. In fact, in Ephesians 2.14, he says, Christ himself was our peace. See, this is where the Christians have something even different. How is peace won? How is peace won? It's won through Jesus. It's not won through war. But actually, this wholeness, this healing, this wellness of the world, putting the cake all back together, how does it happen? It happens through Jesus. This is a huge part of the Christmas story, everybody. In Luke 2, there are some shepherds. They're out in their fields watching their flocks by night. 
And these angels come to them and say, Fear not, for I I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Everybody remember this, right? Then suddenly there's a, a host of angels, of heavenly beings, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Then the angels go away. They run to Bethlehem to see what is this peace and this prince of peace and this bringer of peace. The angels declare peace. But now, do you understand? The angels don't declare the end of war. That's like so low level on what peace actually means. What they're saying is that the cake is getting put back together. They're saying the world is being made right. Jesus is bringing in this whole new thing where we're not going to need war anymore. He's bringing this whole new thing where we can all be calm and trust in what God is doing. That communities are going to be made right. There's There's a sense of justice and righteousness that even to these stinky shepherds, there's good news of peace. This is a peace that's for everybody. There's wellness and wholeness. There's shalom right there in the manger. That little baby is going to heal our relationship. In fact, in, in that manger is fully God and fully human. Okay, This separation between God and humanity, not anymore, not in the manger. He's already healing that. And then when He goes to the cross, He wins it for all of us. As this child gets older, He will die, rise again to heal the brokenness. He brings wholeness. He brings shalom. And Paul is clear that shalom should lead to unity between people. This is the Prince of Peace. He's the bringer of shalom. And so there should be shalom. But let me ask you a question. When you look at the world, do you see a lot of shalom? Is the world the way it should be? Is your heart the way it should be? A lot of shalom, wellness, or do you feel like the cake's a little cut apart at this point? We're missing some pieces. It doesn't look like it's supposed to. Not a lot of shalom. Not a lot of calm. Not a lot of... We sing in our carol, all is calm, all is right. That's not how it feels right now. There's violence, there's war, there's oppression all over the place. And not just around the world, but in our backyards. The Old Testament calls us to pursue shalom. Jesus calls us what? Peacemakers. But actually, Jesus has won this, and until He comes again, we are to be the ones bringing shalom. And that doesn't mean just ending wars means going out there and bringing wholeness. Or to pursue shalom in this world, and it starts in our lives. So let me, let me as uh, I address you peacemakers here, shalom makers in this world, let me just point out three things. Number one, we need to be clear about the kind of peace we're pursuing. It needs to be biblical peace. What's really the problem in this world? is it's incomplete, it's in whole, it's not, it's not right. It needs to be brought together. That's the political problem, everybody. That's the neighborhood problem. That's the problem in our families. We need wholeness. We need completeness. We need wellness. The world needs put back together. Relationships mended. Souls put back together. Communities need glued. Families need healed. Nations need reconciled. Peacemakers don't just stop at ending war or calming things down for a moment. It's pursuing healing. And a wholeness, and that is a whole lot harder as peacemakers to pursue actual shalom making. 
Number two, we need to define how we are making or pursuing our peace. How are we shalom makers? Because the answer is not the Roman answer. It's not power. The answer to making peace and shalom in this world is not power. It's not war. It's not subjugation. It's not getting into positions where you can do more. It's not just a growing sense of abstract inner peace either. Like if I just stay peaceful over here, maybe the rest of the world will get better. It's not, the answer is not passivity. It's also not force. It's also not political correctness. Let me just say this. Okay? Like sometimes to bring peace, you got to offend somebody. Okay? Proverbs 10.10 says, A frank rebuke leads to peace. Sometimes to have peace, you got to have confrontation. And we live in a world where you're not supposed to offend anybody. You're supposed to be politically correct. That is not the way to peace either. That is a false peace. That's not shalom. That's pretend. Shalom means we get past political correctness and we talk about actual things. Sometimes you have to stand up to evil to bring shalom. Sometimes you have to, you have to cut into something like a surgeon to make it right. We pursue peace by spreading love, pursuing relationship, and choosing wholeness. We see our problems as systemic and working to heal all of the parts. We don't tiptoe around it, but we also don't do it with force either. We do it with love. The way of Jesus talks a lot about how we are shalom pursuers. And number three, let's remember who the true Prince of Peace is. Who's the one that brings the peace? Okay, no angels saying that there was peace on earth at your birthday. Okay, no one. There's nobody in a field hollering because you were born and suddenly you're the bringer of peace. We're supposed to work towards peace, but we need to remember who the real Prince of Peace is, and it's Jesus. Don't ever get yourself confused with Jesus. It does not end well. Do what you can in this world to pursue peace but always be pointing people to the true Prince of Peace until He comes again to make it all peace. Put the whole cake back together. May you think of this holiday as you hear the word peace in a carol, somebody uses the word peace. You hear it in a Bible story. May you never hear peace the same way again. May you insert this shalom and think about wholeness and things being right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.